Welcome to the Arrest or Mimics podcast with your host Ben Talon. Hello and welcome to Arrest or Mimics. My name is Ben Talon. This is the Original Thinking and Creative Innovation podcast. Hello. I hope you're doing well. Um, I hope you're good. The weather is failed file transfers <laughs> and illustrated sick bags. Yes, it's a weird one. It's always a weird one with the weather in the studio. Um, I'm painting on sick bags at the minute. Yep, personal branding projects. That's the way we do things in Ben Talon's studio. Thanks for tuning in. How are you all doing? I hope you're all good. I hope you're all uh, feeling inspired. And if not, I hope you are going to be after this podcast. Because that's the idea, right? <laughs> um, it's been busy. It's been really busy. Um Furious start to February, pick, kicking on from uh, from a medium sort of quiet, then hectically busy January. Uh, loads of stuff going on. I've had loads of requests, not work requests, but people. Um, I've had people asking me what's a good sort of festival, creative festivals to go to, you know, like print fairs and that kind of thing. Um, I've had someone from Japan asking me for recommendations in London, and I realised that I'm a little in the dark for that kind of stuff. So do us a favour, if you know of some good ones, let me know. Tell me what's cool in London and why I should go there, and I can pass it on to my friend in Japan. I'm hoping you lot can come up with the goods, because I'm in the dark on this one. Um, Thanks to last week's guest, Will K. Odd-King. Go back and check it out if you didn't listen. Uh, a special, bit of a special, I say a special, it's a bit of a special on uh, versatility. So basically, Will is a very prolific artist. He's working with lots of cool clients like the BBC, Adidas, Converse, G Star Raw, and many others. Very talented lad. But he hasn't yet found his style. So he's a bit of a creative chameleon, as he described himself on the episode. So go back and check that out. It's pretty inspiring if you're in those shoes and you haven't yet found your thing. Go and have a listen. Uh, it's cool. So cheers to Will for that one. But today, we're going to be getting into the nitty gritty subject of mental health and creativity yes this is part one of a two-part special on that taboo telling people how you're feeling for real being honest we're going to get deeper into that in a minute but first i'm going to thank my sponsors kicking off with founding sponsor first people through the door illustrationweb.com illustration limited my agency representing over 200 artists illustrators designers set designers fashion illustrators lettering specialists live illustrators large-scale illustrators you name it they've got the lot and they represent them all really well lovely bunch of people doing loads of good work so go and check them out actually um the agency were massively supportive of the campaign i did back in 2013-14 on behalf of calm who we're going to be hearing from today that's the campaign against living miserably they felt quite strongly about the work I was doing and looking at creativity and mental health and they really got behind it. Behind it, They really helped me out in pushing the campaign and did a great job, so thanks to those guys. They're a very benevolent bunch and do a lot of great work outside of seeking illustration work for their represented artists. So go and have a look, illustrationweb.com. Heartsinternet.co.uk, doing everything from SEO to hosting and uh, website and social media skills they're really really great go and have a look they're very useful they're very clued up they've been there since the advent of the internet you can go back and listen to nick leach marketing director from heart internet's interview he's talking to about what makes a good social media profile presence what makes for a strong website in 2017 go and have a listen very useful stuff um 
certainly what happened with the first campaign I did on behalf of Calm, the Express campaign. Social media and online presence really made for connections amongst lots of like-minded people and the people who maybe felt a little isolated and this had something to do with this, you know, the way they were feeling a little down and, and actually we, we found loads of connections, wonderful people coming forward and saying how this campaign gave them a sort of less intimidating vehicle to come forward and use creativity as a way to talk about how they were feeling. Uh, we're going to get into that in great detail with lots of different people on this episode and the next. Um, but it really is great to find people beyond where you are and the restrictions you maybe have in the real world. So it's just a great upside of upshot of social media and the internet. So if you use it positively, you really can reach out to those people. And that's worth bearing in mind. So that is the point for today, courtesy of heartinternet.co.uk. Printed.com, uh, wonderful printers. They do all of my promo graphics for this show and I got in touch on that basis and they now support the show and the creative industries. They do a lot of good work in profiling cool, exciting, innovative projects online uh, through their blog, through their social media and they do damn good printing work. Loads of new services popping up all the time, new campaigns, always looking to get deeper into the creative industries. So go and chat to them. They're a really great printers doing wonderful work supporting this show. Um, certainly first time around, I worked with Laura Hawkins Design to produce a poster design for the Express campaign. So we collated all the interviews that we did with the likes of Danny Dyer, Steve Merchant, Mick Foley from the WWE, Ken Garland, graphic design legend. And we collated it all in this poster that Laura designed. And it looked awesome. And we got it printed through printed.com. And it was Laura who introduced me to them. And it came out wonderful. We did A3 posters for that. And that was a way of kind of pulling together all the work we'd been doing and then sharing it with people to raise awareness about Calm's work to prevent male suicide, which is the single biggest killer of young men in this country. We'll get into that properly later with Paul Shields from Calm. Uh, but we also did an A5 flyer just surmising the campaign that we could hand out to people and letting them know quite simply with a web URL where they could link up with the work we were doing. And it was absolutely brilliant. Um, it came out really well. They did a great job, really reasonable price point and fantastic customer service. So thanks to those guys because they've really been looking after this show and we really do appreciate it. Uh, all the sponsors keeping this show free every week. Illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk, printed.com. Um, keep the feedback coming guys absolutely loving it everyone's getting in touch the numbers are going up on social all the time words getting around I've had wonderful illustrator Dave Bain shouting about the show this week who used to share a studio not far from where I am right now top illustrator go and check out his work and he's been big on the show that's been exciting so cheers Dave for that one um, so let's get to it oh before uh, the AOI also um Fantastic organisation, also supporting the show, doing really well. And the good news is they've extended the deadline for the World Illustration Awards, so you can go and check that out. Extended it till my birthday, 20th of February. Yeah, so you can still enter. Go and get your stuff in. If you haven't done it, it's a must-be-involved awards ceremony. Big night in the industry, big organisation doing loads of good work to champion the industry, so go and find out all the details over at theaoi.com. So let's get into it, right? Mental health. Yep, I said it. Mental health. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about how you're feeling. Um, here's the backstory. I'm quite a happy person, um, and I attribute that to a number of things. But primarily, on an ongoing basis, I, pardon my French, but I fucking love creativity, right? 
it gets me out of bed in the morning. I draw a lot of the time. And if I'm not drawing or working in my studio editing, I'm recording, I'm editing this podcast, I'm talking to creative people, I'm going to universities and colleges. It's my lifeblood. I absolutely love innovation and creating something from nothing. What that means for me is that I have a great sense of belonging. I have real purpose in my day-to-day life. I have something to occupy my mind on a more primal level. It keeps me from thinking about the stuff that might get me down, the you know, the climate change, the the political nonsense that's going on at the moment. So it got me thinking a few years back, suicide was the biggest killer of young men in this country, still is. It's not talked about anywhere near as much as drugs, knives, guns, um, other reasons why people die. It's really, really sad. It's an emotional thing. It's that it's an illness, depression, and it's no different to a physical illness or a an injury. And yet somehow it's still not talked about when it's so, so common and probably way more common than those, those other things. So I found this really sad. And my thinking was that if I feel this way about my creativity and, and it really does this for me and it, and it keeps me smiling and with great belonging... Could this not be the case for people who maybe haven't found something to connect with in the way that I have? If I try to pull back the curtain on how other people find their creativity, and if there is something in this idea that there is um, great value, great emotional value in creativity and self-expression, then we may be onto something, and I think it's something that can really help people moving forward. I really believe that, and the work that I've done over the last few years has only backed that up in a big way. So I'm going to bring you a mixture of conversations from the original Calm campaign and brand new, fresh conversations with people in 2017 talking about not only what their work does for them emotionally, but what it can do and what they've seen in the world and why, if we have positive channels for negative and positive emotions alike and feelings and opinions, that it really helps us as human beings. So what I set about doing is talking to a wide range of people throughout the arts and connected with creativity about those topics and their experiences and, and their own opinions. So if nothing else, that's what you're getting. You're getting a collection of people thinking and talking about creativity and mental health. I hope it's of some use because I find it so sad that people are suffering and what really irks me is that oftentimes the government and the people with the power to hopefully try and make change and make better accessible um, support and help miss the point in a in a big way. I really believe that they often try to remedy the end result um, and they do that badly. They, they don't have the, the infrastructures in place. I really believe that if this starts at a grassroots level, that if we're all encouraged to be creative and to enjoy creativity and just to open up and let loose... Um, that we'll find ourselves in better places in later years. So that's another thing that I'm going to talk about. I just feel quite passionately about it, and and because it works for me so well on a personal level, I've gone on this mission to talk to people about their own experiences. So there's not much more I can tell you from my side of things, but these guys can. So it's a two-part special. I'm going to be talking to Calm. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Paul Shields from Calm. Paul's from Belfast and he's got a really fascinating story and we're going to talk about that at length, about Calm's work um, in supporting guys who 
you know, struggle to open up and be honest about their feelings and, and carry such a great weight on their shoulders and, you know, ultimately leading to this sad statistic that it's um, three times more men than ladies take their own life in this country. Heartbreaking stuff. Um, ladies, don't worry. That's part one. Um, part two, I'm going to be opening the floor a little more and we're talking to a wider range of people. So we've got Paul Shields from Calm coming up in episode one. I've got Steve Johnson, fantastic illustrator, who's a big fan of the show, does awesome fashion and lifestyle illustrative work and, uh, and has, has done a lot of design work in his time. A lovely, lovely lad from Liverpool and um, he's suffered himself a great deal with depression and he's going to talk candidly about that and about his work and what his creativity does for him. I'm going to talk to Ian Stone. London-based comedian with a lot of respect in the industry, been on Mock the Week, been on BBC Five Live, been on loads of different stuff. Ian's a bloke and a top bloke at that, and I've met him a few times now, and he's always been a lovely, lovely man. Talked to me first time around for the CAM campaign and kindly gave me permission to use the, the, the use it for this podcast. Going to be talking to Danny Allison, fantastic photographer and illustrator, and for any long-term listeners of the show, you'll rem- remember he's my very first guest, close friend of mine. He's also going to talk candidly about depression and his work and what that does. Also going to talk to London-based artist and fantastic painter, Ray Richardson. Ray's awesome, and if you meet him, he comes across as a man's man. <laughs> He's a top bloke. He's a footy fan like me, and I like the man a lot. And he kindly gave me the time to chat to him today. And it's just really nice to see people opening up about what their work does for them emotionally. We all, we're all good at putting on a front. We're all good at going on social media and masking what's really going on inside our heads and uh, in our souls. But deep down, we all struggle on a certain level because we're humans. And as Steve Johnson's going to tell us shortly, we're the only animal that thinks like this, that thinks cognitively, which has the power to introspect and to dwell and to send ourselves into these spirals and kind of lose sight of things. So I found this a really eye-opening and rewarding experience to go around all these people and talk so candidly about this stuff. And I hope you find it of some use. Please do get me your feedback at Arrest All Mix on the Twitter. I hope you enjoy the episode and find it very, very useful and enlightening. I've got all that coming up. So first up, I'm talking to Paul Shields. Paul kindly got in touch from Calm when I reached out to them and said, look, I, I'm doing some more work. Um, I would like to profile Calm in what we're doing. But one thing that's maybe a little under-discussed is the role of men in modern society and what creativity can do for them. Because... The sad fact is, guys find it hard, I think, to to open up. Um, it's the old adage of boys don't cry and stiff up a lip. It's a very British mentality, and I think it's heartbreaking. I was lucky enough to grow up with um, a bunch of friends when I was 15, 16, and it broke me away from that kind of group mentality that you go through at school where you're not afraid to really, you know, you're a little afraid to be yourself. You can't really step out the bubble. You're just trying to, to fit in to get along and impress and in meeting those friends, it gave me a bunch of people where I could be totally frank, we could share anything with one another, and it taught me to be open and to tell what's in my head rather than let it fester. So I'm very, very appreciative of that. I always have been and I always will be. Um, but I wanted to talk to Paul from Calm and find out a little more about some of the problems at hand here um, and what creativity can do to remedy that. I think people have become a lot more aware of things around masculinity that maybe prevent men talking about mental health in a certain way and sort of yeah. gender issues worldwide. Thinking a lot about gender and how it impacts people's lives is is a big issue. So it's been yeah, t- Calm's been getting a lot of attention over the past mm. past while. 
and it's grown very quickly. So it's been intense six months, but like really enjoyable. Yeah, she said, I mean, a huge positive thing, right? Yeah. I mean, the spotlight, it needs to go there and it's, I mean, I would say it's needed to for some time. Mm. Definitely. Um, for me, like I grew up in Belfast and in a sort of working class community where there was definitely a sort of very macho radish culture a lot of the time, which is a sort of hangover from the conflict, I think, there. Um, so obviously you could say there was a war there from especially from like the early 70s late 60s right up until the 90s and because of that certain men have an attitude of you know definitely needing to be sort of strong hard man types and that that affects generations afterwards i think yeah um and i could see i see even my like friends growing up and people that i know um that mentality of sort of suck it up, acting hard man or whatever, and not really expressing yourself in certain ways. Yeah. Um, that was a very high suicide rate in Belfast, maybe two to three times. In, t- in young men, and it's like two to three times. Um, some other areas of the UK, it's way, way higher than average. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's I would say that's hugely um, usually down to the conflict there and like sort of that whole mentality. Yeah. So it was always an interesting thing for me, like, and moving to London, I'd worked in some charities and stuff, and then I saw Cam posters dotted around London. Man, do you know the Man Dictionary posters? Yeah. Oh, yeah, good. I think it's a really nice campaign. Yeah. So that's what hooked me in. It was like, I was, in, I was on the way to work one morning, and I saw the, one of the agiles, or a bus stop, whatever you call it, um, Propaganda, a catalogue of stereotypes that are aimed at making you a top man, manly bloke. Um, or not, I can't remember the definition of Yeah. I should. But um, I was like, that's clever. That's like that's the first time I've seen sort of those sort of masculine tropes yeah. addressed in, in a public space as, you know, addressed as having a possible effect on people's mental health, a possible effect on suicide. Mm. Um, but done in such an irreverent sort of piss takey way. It was good as well, because it was like, you know, this, this is addressing that issue, but it's also done in a way that I can connect with and I actually like, and it's clever. And it's not just like, oh, there's another guy looking like, oh, I'm really depressed. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? And, and I've always, I did the reason I was attracted to Cam in the first place. I was, I was, I admired the way they used uh, comedy. Exactly, um, yeah, don't I? You know, art, music, a lot, a lot of, a lot of work with musicians. You mentioned mm. Professor Green when we met earlier. I think we, we do idolise those people. You mentioned the, the, hand, the hangover thing. Fathers, role model, you know, the, the, probably the first role model you're yeah. most people are exposed to. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I'm sure I speak to a lot of people at that generation is ferociously proud, and that kind of stigma is maybe yeah. more prevalent there than our own generation. Would that be true? Yeah, for me, definitely. Like, for me, that's best exemplified in um, sitting at the dinner table one time and my sister had just broken up with her boyfriend of like 12 years and we're all sat around and she was crying at the dinner table and then my mum started speaking to her and was like you know give her a hug and was crying with her nearly and was like saying you know it's going to take time and all that and then I was speaking to my sister and just trying to suss out what, like how she was feeling at that time I must have been like 16 or whatever and I was just trying to like work out where she was and how I could help her and my dad just turned around and went 
well, you're just going to have to get over it. <laughs> really, just like simplistic, like sort of. And we all just turned around and was like, what? Like, what, what sort of response? And that was just his, like, has been sort of his attitude about a lot yeah. of things. Yeah. And um, he's just so sort of black and white mm. about a lot of stuff. It's the parachute and for wimps theory, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, when you do, when I sometimes do talk about even to him, like, he's, like, he had a friend, even, he had a friend, he had a friend that took his own life there a year and a half ago, a very close friend that he was in his, his football team with, and I was really, when I found out found about this guy, it was a typical scenario of a guy who's, like, really funny, outlandish, always taking the piss, always doing impressions, um, and he was either, like, massively up or massively down and he had a few different issues in his life but he must be in his like mid 50s and took his own life and I was chatting to my dad about this thing and I was really wanting to because of obviously the profession I work in I was wanting to really discuss it and got in at length and maybe like explore it and I was really sort of emotionally moved by it finding out about that um, but my dad was quite matter of fact about it wanted to just talk about how it was and just move on Mm. So there's a, yeah, there's a huge, a huge yeah. generational difference there. I think. Between, I think so. Yeah. It's heartbreaking, really, isn't it? Because then you realise that you either didn't acknowledge, you either didn't know, or you didn't acknowledge that there was something going on, and mm. the idea that they were too afraid or didn't have anyone to talk to or no real outlets. That's kind of heartbreaking to me. I mean, yeah. it's one of the biggest drivers why I wanted to work with Cam because I consider myself quite a happy person. You know, I don't get me wrong, I get the odds sort of existential crisis and you know yeah. and, but, but generally I, I, I could safely say I've never suffered from depression and um, me personally I certainly owe a lot of that to a real sense of belonging and mm. and through my creativity anyway I, I, it's been a real big connector of me with other like-minded people which has been crucial in, in making those friends what do you, what do you think the, the kind of main reasons that guys can or don't do that, don't have those people in their lives that they can talk to or have no way of, you know, no, no bridge to make that conversation less awkward, so mm. to speak. I think it is about a lot of, a lot of, a lot of your experiences and what you're, what do you feel comfortable doing is based upon seeing that behaviour in other people. And if you don't see your dad particularly talking about feelings that much, you're opening up and discussing these things, so you don't see that in the media or you don't read about people doing that then you don't do it yourself mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think that there's definitely a lot of work to be done in terms of like modelling behaviour and showing a lot, of, a lot of the work that Cam does in fact is, is showing guys who are high profile or well respected or talented that other guys look up to mm-hmm. um being expressive and being open and, and talking about you know, yeah, talking about how they're feeling or if they're feeling shit or just general celebrating self-expression in general, mm. um, and by demonstrating that and showing lots of people doing it, then it seems okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's hard to say because I say that, and then I and then you know, I find I think myself as a as a guy I'm quite open. But yet, like I grew up around other people who weren't, yeah, who weren't that old. Like my dad, my dad maybe wasn't, and some friends weren't. And yet, you know, I find myself being 
you know, as I grew up, very interested in masculinity and why it had these sort of restrictive effects. So, so yeah, it's hard to say. Um, mm. What sort of? I mean, what you've not been working at too long, but what? I mean, Professor Green seems to be real. Uh, Seems to be a, a big sort of face ambassador. I don't know what the right word is, but a mm. sort of patron of what Khan are trying to do. And what sort of effects have you seen that have people like him? Um, he yeah. strikes me as you know, you see the tattoo on the neck. He's quite a there's quite a masculine edge about him, and yet it's yeah. great to see him using that, like we said, to kind of drive the message and show that actually it's it's cool. It's good to really healthy to sort of put that out there and put. Yeah, I mean, has he talked about suffering himself? He has, yeah. I mean, the, the effect that his documentary, this, I don't know if you've seen it, the BBC documentary, Suicide and Me. No, I no? I need to. So, yeah, it's definitely worth watch, really moving documentary um, that he made in 2015, along with BBC, and he, he opened up a lot about his father's, his father took his own life when he was quite young, when he was a teenager. Um, and he talks a lot about um, that effect on him, the effect that it had on him and his family. Um, he was essentially raised raised by the women in his life um, and yeah he does at a first glance he looks like archetypal you know hard man he's, he's mm. he is a hip hop artist obviously covered in tattoos he grew up in Clapton um, in East London a working class community but I think that as a guy he being raised especially by, by women, he's seen the value in sort of self-expression and obviously through music, you know what I mean? He's he's, he's an artist that's very sort of candid in, in sort of his lyrics and, uh, and what he talks about. And he had an interview in Calms in actually last, last month or two months back and he sort of had a hat tip to the likes of Eminem who's like, you know, getting it all out there is like an mm. angry guy. Even even when it's actually sort of some stuff that's pretty fucking raw and, and yeah. could potentially do him damage. Um, he gave a bit of a hat tip to Eminem. So I think yeah, he's he's very much a guy who's who celebrates vulnerability and, and mm. he sees strength in that. You know what I mean? It, one of his big things is saying that you know. If you're feeling all, if you're feeling sort of anxious or or insecure, and you're holding it all back, that's owning you. Do you know what I mean? You're being controlled by that mm. by external factors. But if you open up and you're vulnerable and you talk to people and you connect, you own it. You know what I mean? Mm. Once you externalise that stuff, it's yours. Yeah. And he's a big proponent of channeling that stuff into into songs and the art. Yeah. Um, yeah, and obviously because his father took his own life and this obviously had a huge effect on him. Mm. Um, he's all about like spreading that message to others through calm, through yeah. all the work that he's doing. It's really inspiring stuff. I mean, so what's what's going on moving forward? And you said it's been a, a real. I mean, we saw the was it last week, week before Theresa May came out and said about mm. the whole uh, you know yeah. reforming mental health support for for young people. Um, so what's next for Cam? What's what's going on moving forward? So yeah, Theresa, that was really welcome to see Theresa May acknowledge. Firstly, mental health as a as a broad subject to say that you know 
this is something we all need to aware of, be the, need to be aware of, um, and something that needs action now. And she talked about sort of high risk groups, uh, one of those being men. Right at the top of the list, actually, she she said that men are a high risk group for um, suicide, and they announced a new suicide prevention strategy. And it nodded to certain campaigns we'd been working on. It nodded to CAM. It nodded to um, an awareness campaign that launched last year called "It's Okay to Talk" with Andy's Man Club. Did you see anything about that? Basically, it's um, there was a a rugby union player. Um, called Luke Ambler that lost his brother-in-law and he to suicide and he started off men's groups that were they started off in Halifax every Monday night um, and basically he, he kicked them off because his brother-in-law Andy had never spoken up about being depressed and Luke wanted was shocked by that and wanted to do something about it he was like you know why, why are guys not talking here so he set up a, a men's group every Monday night and he also kicked off a social media campaign that was basically just like using the OK sign um, and taking a selfie of yourself to say it's OK to talk and spread. I was shocked by how, how well this went. It was all over the world. Ricky Gervais was doing it. All sorts of rugby players were doing it. Like it went worldwide with millions and millions of people getting involved. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, it was, it was really good. So it's... Um, there was a nod to that in the suicide prevention strategy that was announced by Theresa May so it's really good to see that finally like it's been acknowledged that gender is a massive issue in terms of suicide and we should acknowledge and think about why men Mm -hmm. why are three times rather three times more men taking their own lives than women but it needs to have teeth beyond that so there's a lot of it was great to see certain things acknowledged but in terms of an actual strategy you know actually putting in place resources and funding to help men in crisis that wasn't quite there yet so there's a long way to go yeah and calm plans to like hold the government to account and making sure that that happens yeah and if if the government wants to work with us in terms of you know reaching men through what we've always done through sport through music through comedy through areas that men are already interested in we're willing to, to help them do that mm. um but yeah, in terms of what CAM's doing in this year, um, you know, we had a massive campaign last year that was all about raising awareness of suicide being the biggest killer of men under 45. The next step in that is like, okay, that's, you know, we're making steps in awareness now. We need to move towards that thing we were just discussing earlier about modelling behaviour and showing like, mm. you know, showing what it's like to have a conversation with a friend that you're really worried about. So we've got a couple of campaigns that are based around that. Um, and we're all about, as I said, using like sort of high-profile musicians, comedians, sports people um, to celebrate sort of self-expression. We've got a campaign going on at the minute called Torch Songs. Um, it's the tagline is "Songs that guide us out of the dark." Mm. And it's all about that tune, whatever it is that you go to when you're feeling shit. Yeah. For me, it would be like, I don't know, like an old rave tune like Papua New Guinea, Future Sound of London. Yeah. Like, it's this amazing euphoric rave tune that I would like, and it's just absolutely stunning, goosebumps every time. Yeah. Class tune. Um, so it's about like celebrating that, that song, whatever it is to you, 
So yeah. we've got a load of quite big bands. We've got like uh, Frank Turner, who's a, a singer songwriter, Len Avin, uh, the guy from Enter Security. Loads torchsongs.co.uk and go check it out. That's a really nice it's, idea. It's them covering the songs that these bands or artists covering the songs that, that do that for them that left them out of a dark point. That's a superb idea. Yeah, it's really I'm nice. Really impressed with that. That's really good. Yeah. And it'll be running right up to April. Brilliant. So it's all about sort of yeah celebrating self-expression and using. It's also sort of like a a way to be able to do a sort of soft hand raise of yeah I've had a shy time too mm. but you don't have to do it in a way that's you know directly going I'm making a big announcement I've been depressed you can go yes this is a tune that I really like mm. that I go to when I'm having the low point yeah and give a bit of a backstory to yeah. that or not even say that just go like here's my song that I listen to when yeah. things get a bit tough yeah often it, it says about that bridge to just get you past that daunting idea of a sit down yeah awkward conversation it's that kind of like absolutely say, song film it, it doesn't it really doesn't matter I guess it's, it's sort of superficial what it actually is it's, it's about having that thing to use as a, as a common ground mm. which is wonderful really whether yeah. it's sport music whatever it's, yeah that's what Cam's all about essentially is, is dropping those but you know Cam doesn't position itself as an expert on mental health or even as you know as an authority in that way it's all about guys supporting peer-to-peer and listening to people's experiences and dropping those barriers so it doesn't seem daunting at all mm. you know it's not about using clinical language or like trying to like think about the best way to express stuff in a scientific way it's more about just like oh, how do you feel now yeah say it in your own words and we aim to sort of reduce because obviously guys feel that pressure of am I going to look weak here am I going to look like a pansy yeah. Are people going to reject me? Um, so we believe that through going through like sport and music and comedy, poetry, whatever it is, um, arenas that men are already in and interested in, if we use those and guys feel comfortable in those areas, and then thread the, the conversations about whatever, about feeling shit or suicide or mental health through that, then it'll feel much more natural. Mm. Rather than going, oh, you're feeling shit here, you have to go to this certain area here to talk about depression. Yeah. If you're already talking about football, and you're already like, or playing a game of football, or, or if you're a runner or you're in a poetry night, and it can be about anything. Um, you can be chatting about anything and then the, the conversation about mental health or suicide or is threaded through that then it doesn't seem as, as sort of daunting it's not, a, it's not a big step to take mm. it's just like part of everyday life yeah. it's not them and us it's not people that have a tough time and everybody else it's mm. everyone can go through this that's it it's the yeah. commonality isn't it yeah because everyone, everyone does I, I suppose I anyone going through any sort of misfortune I suppose likes to know that there's someone else doing that as well yeah but definitely you know, even though of course you wouldn't wish anyone that but the idea that you're not alone is always a, a, quite a, you know, a comforting one. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And I love so the way. That... Sorry, I love the way you guys um, kind of just you can take something as simple as one sentence, one quote from someone, mm. shine a massive fucking spotlight on that, and it's suddenly this great thing that people connect with. I think that's really, really beautiful. Yeah. Mm. In terms of um, 
and like I know that a lot of your focus is on sort of creative self-expression and that like there's a few levels to like how creativity I think as two maybe three levels to how that can be like emotionally therapeutic um, from my own experience to say like writing or like a paint occasionally firstly there's that um, there's the actual process itself which is makes you feel fucking chilled out you like to do it it's like get you into creative flow or whatever you want to call that experience mm-hmm. um, and then there's the cathartic thing of like letting whatever it is you're feeling out and getting it out there and externalizing it and seeing it getting a different perspective on it and then thirdly it's that that thing as you're just saying about understanding other people getting it as well mm. yeah and that's when for me the whole loop becomes yeah. really amazing for everyone yeah and there's that shared experience of like fucking hell we're on something here yeah you know what I mean one of the most rewarding ex- feelings I've had in my in my life not just career is when you see someone activated by something and it doesn't matter how small it is it's I have friends like someone's, been, right? someone, someone's become sort of activated as a human being in some, yeah. in some way yeah. you know I have friends who do youth work and there's a, a beautiful thing about um, I have one friend in particular and I think we were about 25 at the time and she was volunteering doing some youth work with all these lads who were pretty larry lads you know I'm talking uh, from council estates from uh, maybe disadvantaged backgrounds yeah and, you know, they were all cocky and showing off to chat with the alpha of the group. And the next thing, they sat down. And she's shown them a simple couple of tricks in Photoshop and how they can make their own CD sleeve. Then she told me it's silence felt. And they're just like, I can, oh, okay, that's mm. cool. And, and she said that moment of seeing something light up in their eyes and then click, click mm. and now suddenly know that they can do that too. And maybe they've got a shot of being creative and it just changes mm. everything. And it's... It's, I've, I love that and I had that myself as a young lad we've all got a lot of energy you know yeah um, so. I think there's something I don't know I don't want to be slightly I don't know if it's just it isn't just a male thing actually it isn't but there's something about expectations on men whereby as a culture we seem okay with men expressing themselves when they've mastered self-expression through art form so mm-hmm. st- guy stands up and sings a song about really missing a girl and feeling depressed or paints a fucking picture and it looks amazing and you go that's, that's. but if a guy just sometimes people feel that if a guy just opens up and, and blubbers and cries and says oh, I'm really you know like oh. so there's something about uh, like creative mastery or like self-expressing and like being able to do something and being like oh I achieved that or put something into the world mm. that adds a level of sort of validity to that self-expression I don't know if that's a problem or it's a, I don't know if that's something we need to overcome or that's a useful thing and we need to challenge there's it like, probably a bit of both like, very much something in that yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. because yeah because in a way we should be okay with mm. with you know expression and self-expression in whatever form it takes but there's definitely something about mastery and the value in like honing down a skill yeah. and expressing yourself in a way that's impressive. Yeah, there is. That's, that's you know, there's a lot more sort of social value to. Yeah. And that's something that guys aspire to more. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's exciting times. Like I say, people have certainly started to come around. It's, it's definitely talked about a lot more. Certainly, than when I was growing up, at least that I was aware of, I never never heard these conversations going on. No, no, me neither. Yeah. I wondered about it. I wondered about it a lot myself. I thought about it a lot. Um, 
and that's why it was great for me to like working that an organisation like Ham is all about essentially the same masculinity, self-expression, yeah, and its length of like your wider, you know, yeah, mental health and stuff. Yeah, I think, but I think the tide is changing. I think we're seeing a lot more discussion mm. around this sort of thing. Yeah, um, hopefully we're approaching a tipping point there. Yeah, 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 definitely. Mm. I see a massive even if you see like. Um, Cam's involvement with Prince Harry, Prince William, Duchess of Cambridge, and and the royal family. I think it's great that they're you know joining in the conversation and helping to sort of spearhead the, mm. um, the conversation around around mental health and its impact on everyone. Yeah. For me, that's a big signal that like everyone's starting to think about think about this. Brilliant. Well, uh, where can people check out the Calm? Where can people connect with you guys? So, thecalmzone.net is our website. Mm. Um, so people can jump on there. It won't look like a typical mental health or you know suicide prevention website. It's full of content on you know music, comedy stuff. Uh, features on sport, poetry, all that type of stuff. And um, we also have a magazine, our quarterly magazine, Camzine, which is um, distributed around the UK. You can grab that in, like Topman stores or grab it online on our website too. Um, it's got interviews with musicians, and our last one there was actually made right where we're sitting. Actually, yeah. <laughs> it was made in South Bank here over the weekend uh, of being a man festival, and we made it live um, with artists and illustrators and stuff going around to different exhibitions and talks around masculinity and drawing and writing down what they learned and felt. We got some sort of audience interaction and stuff and made it all up into the magazine. So that was the December issue. The next one's out in March. Um, so they can check that out too. And then um, for for guys that are down or in crisis or feeling like they need to talk to someone anonymously, they can do that uh, every day, five o'clock to midnight. Um, on our helpline and web chat and you can find all the details of that on thecalmzone.net too Brilliant. cheers Paul nice one thank you very much so close friend of mine and photographer slash illustrator Danny Ellison he's been working uh, as an illustrator now for 10 years he's absolutely fantastic works with a lot of major clients around the world BBC uh, he's worked with EMI Records uh, the list goes on he worked with the Olympics in 2012 in this country um but he sits down to talk candidly to me about his origins in skateboarding and how that opened the door for him into creativity and how he himself has battled depression uh, on and off over the years and following a, a an injury that ended his skateboarding career it was it was design and illustration of photography which led him um, to the end of the tunnel, so to speak, um, out of a dark time when he had to give up something he loved and uh, through injury and would find something new, a new sense of belonging in a new direction uh, and how that's helped him over the years. Well, I failed. I failed my GCSE at art because I was too busy skateboarding. That was my first art that I found. Um, way of expressing myself was through that, you know, people, you call it sport, you call it an art, whatever. I don't think anybody really knows, but... Um, yeah, that was definitely my, my initial, first initial way of expressing through an art was, was skateboarding, yeah. Um, picked that up probably about the age of uh, 10. 
Yeah, so I, that's where it all started for me, really. To be, to be fair. But did you sort of did you start taking interest? I mean, the people you met through skating, I guess that would have introduced you to because it is quite an art. I mean, a lot of people in skating kind of are into their art, film, music, that sort of stuff. I think that crossed over. You know what? I didn't really, really realise then, but it's like uh, the group you hang around with, the skateboarders. It's kind of like the weird, the weird people of society have all been sort of excluded from everything, everything else. You know, like football matches or all this stuff like all the weird people just manage to congregate in one place and you kind of form this you don't even realize at the time but like it's a creative hub like you know creative talking creative writing like uh, graffiti artwork like it's crazy you just don't even realize at the time you just think that everybody's like this but it's like as you get older you, real, you look back and you're like no nobody was like that at all and these unique groups Skateboarders like just in every every pocket of the world like they all have that same bond, which is creativity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you you start, I'm right to say you started with photography, didn't you? In yeah, I started in photography. Yeah, um, I bust I bust my knee actually skateboarding, uh, and I need and I couldn't do it anymore. So I needed to find something to do, like to just kind of express myself because I was feeling a bit frustrated. I couldn't like do this, like couldn't create anymore with what I was doing. So I just uh, I was really interested in like skateboarding photography. So I actually signed up for to do a photography course in Blackpool, which turned out to be and again you don't even realise it. You leave a few years later for one of the best courses in, in the country for photography. So yeah, that's that's that began I guess the, my path to um, what I'm doing now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and your illustration is like I my well, I don't my, maybe just in general, but it's got more attitude than, than most. Most illustration out there. Um, is it is it something that you do because you like the process, or is it is it, again is that something that you you've used as an outlet somewhat in the past, or to, do you use it to address things, whether it's positive, negative in your life, or um, again it's an expression, I guess. My, my brain, I think pretty quick. I think pretty fast. I can't really got like a high practice mind almost. I think we've discussed it like file facts in the wind. That, that's what it feels like sometimes when I'm trying to think about anything. And uh, in my my illustration style is quite um, fast and explosive and stuff. And and uh, I want it to be moving, but I, you know that's what I want it to look like. And it's just going all over the show. Um, yeah. So yeah, again, I think I'm just expressing maybe like uh, that's how my brain works. Like it's just fast and all over the show and pretty explosive. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, you don't really choose how you work looks, it kind of just happens from your personality, doesn't it? Yeah, I, guess. I think so. It's like your work, you know, yours, yours, I think yours reflects yeah. quite, like, I don't know, scraggly. It's almost and like without the, this, the ability to animate something, isn't it? It's exactly. Like as close as you can with static illustration to movement. Yeah, and exactly, and, and I think it's a good way to start, like, because eventually we'll, you know, we'll move into sort of animation, but we'll have this head start of yeah. knowing what we want to it to look like whatever. That's it, yeah, it's taking it into a new, a new space, isn't it? <laughs> um, it's quite a personal one, knowing you, but, and feel free not to answer it, but you've had trouble with depression in the past. Uh, uh, yeah. You were, you were down for a while. Did, has, has, has it in, sort of helped you in, in a sense? Did, was it something that helped you get past that in any way or all the other two, not it, one uh, separate times? Or, or? It's 100 like, it's, I mean, it's 100%, yeah. Um, 
that it is the, the, me getting into illustration and photography lifted me out of depression. I think um, creative minds are super fragile in, in so many different ways. Not necessarily weak, but just fragile towards, I don't know, you know, society and all these things that you're just bombarded with. Creative people can get easily fuddled, easily fuddled, yeah, and it totally rescued me to be honest. I, I, I went, I, I went, ended up going to university after um, I suffered from serious bouts of anxiety and depression for, you know, for one reason or another, no point really getting into it, but um, yeah, I went there and it's progressively been lifted as I've taken a journey into becoming a professional illustrator, you know, I, st I still suffer from sort of anxiety and stuff, but like, who doesn't to a certain extent? Yeah. It's just that now I know how to express uh, my feelings through photography, artwork, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's totally me personally, true. I tend to be. My brain kind of runs away with itself when I'm not doing it. It's like it, it's definitely a channel for me to stay busy and, and kind of and, and stop. My, my brain is overworked. It's a way for me to get it all on paper. It's like otherwise, if I, if I yeah. was at home, you know, if I was unemployed and home without that in the week, my brain would quickly. I, I'd be an alcoholic. Into, into something else, you know. It was like. Yeah. But I mean, it's like yourself, you know. You, you can you can sort of relate to this. If you've got something on your mind that you can't talk to somebody about, or you or you, you don't even want to talk to somebody about, you can go and illustrate it. You know, if you've got a problem with religion, or if you've got a problem with, uh, I don't know, um, uh, sexism or anything, you can just you, instead of just going sort of whittling on to somebody, you just make an illustration. You make a, a poster. You, you make it. something, and, now and then suddenly it's out. You've got a space to go to show that's the world as well, more, yeah. more than you could ever talk to. And then they'll get back to you with their comments on it, and then straight away you're in a conversation about your artwork, you know, and, and people know what you're thinking, that you're having to sort of like witter on to them. Mm. They're seeing it as clear yeah. as day in front of you, you know. That's it's it. I, I've, um, that's one thing I'm trying to highlight through this, is that I don't want this to be overwhelming to guys who are in that in those shoes, looking at this from the outside and going, oh yeah, it's all well and good to show me amazing musicians and designers and whatever else with all this education behind them. I'm trying to say, no, it doesn't have to be that. It could start with a tweet that brings you together with five people who have, let's say, like the same music, or they might like the same yeah. art, and yeah. suddenly you've got that little online community. Maybe you live in a small village where everyone's a bit, a little bit uh, small-minded, and the kind of, and to get out of that, maybe you find the community online that's got the same interests and stuff. But certainly for me, the arts have put me in the same circles, people like yourself, exactly. Danny Scary, yeah. and suddenly I've got all these close people that I can not only work with, but, but go up afterwards, or go watch a film with. It helps you find your kind, doesn't it? You know, yeah. like, if I was into um, poetry, you know, I, don't, I actually don't know any poets, like, oh, okay, no one, one or two, but I'm using that as an example. If I was into it, you'd hang out with poets. That's what happens, right, because you all need to bounce off, so... Yeah, a family, a family feeling happens, you yeah. know, with, it's with any of the It's context in it sometimes. It's, yeah. just, it's just that tangible thing to bring people together with the same opinions or the same likes. You don't have yeah. to be into it, you don't have to actively do it, I think, but just by putting people in a space, for example, an open mic night in a club, you're likely to meet people who, even if they're just, they're also just looking for a place to go and sit and talk. It's interesting, actually, now you say that. Like, if, if I think about, like, people, like, okay, do people get into the arts uh, do, does the arts help people who are feeling like uh, depressed or they have like mental health problems or do people with mental he health problems get into the arts 
which you know d is it already there because, <laughs> I, because I, don't know many, I don't know many normal people creative people musicians they're so you know they wouldn't be singing and they wouldn't put that energy and passion into something if they didn't feel strongly about what it is they were singing about love or uh, you know the state of the economy or anything anything like that I mean I, I won't go into names but I'm just thinking about talking like I do know like I was saying a poet so, suffers pretty bad from you know uh, mental health. Uh, I know so many people. It's crazy. Yeah, I just want to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Johnson is a brilliant illustrator in Liverpool, and he got in touch with me a little while back. Fan of the podcast. Um, some said some kind things about my work, giving feedback. Steve's great for kind of passing on comments to people online and building a network. And um, his early feedback on this show was really kind of crucial and a great confidence boost. Um, and I wanted to talk to him. He got in touch when he heard me mention on a previous episode of the show that I was going to be doing this mental health special. Um, and he sent me a link to a piece that he'd written a little while back about how drawing really kind of helps his creativity. Um, and he wasn't kind of pitching for the show. It was just, you know, he thought that I might find it of interest because I was covering the topic. But I got in touch and I said, look, do you want to, do you want to come on the show? Do you, would you feel comfortable talking about this stuff? And, um, you know, we can discuss your work, your own experiences with mental health. Uh, and he said, yeah, and he was really up for it. And he was really happy that we were covering the topic, thought it was an important thing. So, so thanks a lot, Steve, for uh, taking the time to do this. Um, and he talks to me quite candidly about his own brushes with uh, depression and, you know, how his work kind of helps him to uh, to focus and to snap out of that mindset. Really fascinating stuff um, and really quite uh, open and honest. So hats off to you, mate, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy this chat with uh, Steve Johnson. So so you have sort of suffered depression yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, honestly, um, I'm going through it right now. Um, the, the past uh, four or five years now have been the hardest like I've all, I've always um, had low self esteem, low self. Obviously, with the weight issue, um, I was really overweight. You know, like my 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 fattest, I was about twenty stone. Mm. Uh, so I was I was a big lad, and I I, I had like terrible acne, terrible um, psoriasis on my face. Um, so I really was really down on myself. Um, you know, and you get bullied as the fat kid and and people just say things and everything got took straight to heart um, and still 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 does uh, and it's just, it's just built on from that and then when um, my relationship ended with the kid's mum because um, that was a bad that was a bad time um, but after that I thought I'd be happy because it was over um, but that that was not what happened at all um, and you know like depression was was uh, was really 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 bad um to um uh, I, mean, I, I i don't i don't i don't know um i don't know how much to kind of go into you know with this you never want to sound like you're beating too down in the dumps but yeah it, it you know got got, got to be some really dark thoughts and really and some attempts um of of suicide mm. so, and it has been a bit of a a, a like a journey through that as well um like in the past like a year or so ago if we talked um that would have been during a really hard time uh, right 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 now it's um a bit of a, a better time and um, i'm kind of focusing on 
what I want to do rather than focusing on, you know, all the dark thoughts and all the bad thoughts and all the fears and the stuff like that. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm trying to be like, well, they're part of me. And the problem I've had for all these years is I've always tried to ignore them and think I'm okay because I'm feeling better at the moment. But I know that's not the case. They're there. And it's about dealing with it so I can get better. Mm. Um, it's taken a lot of, like, you know, di- different different kinds of therapy, different kinds of drugs, um, different a lot of conversations with some really nice people who've been willing to listen to me moan. Um, because that, that's that's the worst thing about depression. I think is is um, you get you get you, you you think you're moaning. I remember um, my last course of uh, therapy. Um, it was a 16 week NHS course, and uh, on the 14th session, I started feeling like I wasn't moaning. Um, and by the time I felt like I was actually starting to talk about it, it was the end of the sessions. Um, so it, it was that was a bit annoying that and um, that's it now you I've, I can go back if I want to but I've gone at the back of the queue I've got to start up again and um, yeah so with, with with depression you just the minute you start talking about it I mean I'm getting it now I'm, I'm really worried that I'm moaning uh, and complaining and just just going on and I've always got that in my back of the head of um, people just saying you know I just get on with it you know just it's just mm. What happens? I think this is the problem, isn't it? This is the whole stigma issue that um, we're made to feel somehow weak when, when in fact we're just human, and these things are frightfully common. Yeah, yeah, that it's some, something I'm I'm learning more and more. As I say, like um, you, you think you're the only one going through it. You think that there's just only me like this, and um, and I, I remember um, there was a, a program on Channel Four. Of um, someone who attempted suicide, they'd been stopped by someone, and he was looking for that person to say thank you to. Um, and I remember watching it at the time, and, and like literally, I think I'm, I must have attempted myself about an hour before watching it. I thought I'll watch this, and um, I remember getting quite angry at him because he he tried to jump off a, a, a bridge in London, and I just thought, well, you're just doing that. For someone to like for show, you know, so you know you do get stopped. Otherwise, you would do it in private, which is what I thought you had to do. So it was like he's 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 not not with him. He's just he's just there. He's just showing off. You just think you're the only one going through it, and then when you hear someone else's um going through it, you 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 don't quite believe it. You think no, they just they just well they just nothing up with them. Um, uh, I'm the one who's suffering. Um, it's it's such a weird, mm. weird, horrible feeling. Like you just you just you just do feel so alone. You don't realise that it is a real bad thing, especially with men. Um, I can't remember the the age range, but um, like the, the, the it's the biggest um, cause of suicide. Um, and like um, it's it's just it's just frightening that that that's happening. And to feel that those thoughts can come to you, and it's like it just made, everything is like this needs to stop now. I can't think of any other way for it to stop mm. to do this, um, because you just can't think of another. You got, like like right now, I can't believe I'm thinking the way to get over it is to accept it, and then think right. Well, 
that 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 that's there. I can either give in to that, or I can kind of go. It's not the only way. There is better ways to deal with it, and 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 things you can do to kind of beat it, and you know, live the life you want to live. And and I I I, I remember being very, um, very. I still am a little bit. Uh, i very scared and of admitting to it, and didn't want anyone to know in case they they, they were basically. Uh, skittered you about it and like uh, you know took the piss and you know said I what, what are you complaining about nothing to complain about mm. uh, it, it was it was it's really hard thing to to do and as I say when I I wrote that uh, first blog post um, and a few people said stop moaning um, it that was like oh god I really am I'm just moaning I'll take it down um, but then I I, I came to realise like it, it maybe was written quite down but I was quite down at the time and that 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 most recent one that I sent you was written when I was a bit more um on the up so I was able I think to rewrite it a bit more objectively and, and more forward thinkingly um because it is something I, I feel like does need to be talked about and, and and there's no shame in it you should you, should, you know if it's happened and you want to talk about it talk about it and see if you can help someone with it because you don't know if you can like because it's it's like um meeting an illustrator that you liked um all, all these years and you hear about their their journey to becoming the illustrator they are you, you don't think you can do it until like you see that oh my god this this person's gone through a journey to get to being an illustrator that they are now that you admire and think is the, the best thing ever and they're like well, no, not really. I'm just doing something I like, and I'm enjoying it, and I've managed to get some nice jobs to, to doing it. And you, 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 that kind of inspiration to uh, improve yourself to become a better illustrator is there. So it's the same same thing. I think if you can tell people how what happened to you, they think, oh, someone's gone through. Oh, for sure. I, th- I think it, and and then the thing is. Um, you know, I know people who've had illnesses that are more physical, um, and there's a similar thing about about something very comforting and heartening about knowing that other people are in that struggle with you, and and that there are yeah. people who've come through that, there are people that are going through that, and there are people that are further back from maybe where you are, uh, yeah. and and that's why it's sad when people um, treat mental illnesses differently, um, yeah. you know, or an, an emotional um, unrest, it's, you know. So, so, and I think it's um, it's only it's just I think it's starting to become something now that people are more willing to talk about, and and it was heartening to see, for better or worse, the, you know, the government saying they're going to overhaul mental health support for young people because it's massively overdue. Yeah, yeah, that de- def- definitely definitely is. I mean, um, I think I only got accelerated recently because I I I, 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 I was starting to uh, actively try to commit suicide um you know uh, and i admit i i remember asking someone about a way of doing it um and they panicked and called the police and they came out to my house and um you know um with they were checking on me and stuff like this um and through that i got like emergency appointments with the hospital and that that's kind of uh what kind of set me on this road in in a, in a sense um the, the, that kind of um 
dianus you know um if i hadn't gone that far down i'd still be waiting for an appointment kind of thing mm. uh, so definitely um overhaul i mean i mean calm and the samaritans they i called them a few times and, and they are very good um in the sense that they are straight away listening to you and they're not like giving you an opinion or giving you a viewpoint um past a, a few minor things they just basically just um s- sat there going like all right talk to me what's up and it, the, the, the line of questioning i can't quite remember now exactly but it was never w- with a bias it was always kind of to try and make sure you were safe and in a, a more calmer state of mind um but with me, I'd last about 10, 15 minutes before um, the moan thing came and you just just wanted to stop talking because you were like, I'm just going on. Um, but I remember one time I, I did stay on for a bit longer because they asked me to stay. And um, it, it, it I don't know if it was the calm... Uh, um, I think it was the calm conversation, actually, thinking about it now. Um I was on to a, a a young lady there for about maybe about twenty minutes, thirty minutes, and she she, she a bit a bit like uh, yourself now. Like she was just totally listening and interjecting when she needed to, or uh, it, it it kind of suited it, and it was never with um, prejudice or bias. As I say, it was always kind of like a a valid reason to interject into the conversation. So. Those those organisations, I think, are a value. Looking back now, at the time, you just think, God, I've just moaned this person for like 20 minutes. I can't believe I've just done this. I'm going to just do this instead. And it, 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 I always call it a trapdoor depression because you can be walking and you can think, I'm doing okay, I'm doing okay, I'm, I've, I've, uh, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, everything's going okay. Door opens and you're like, you've only got one thing in your mind. And, and, and nothing can talk you out of it. You're thinking, this makes the most sense. Nothing else makes sense. This is what I'm going to do because nothing else can can can, um, can cure this. This is the only way I know how to sort this out. Um, mm. uh, and what, and what do, you, so do you think I'm onto something with this whole idea of creativity having an important role to play uh, in... in emotional well-being because you know it's just I, the real the whole reason I got on this thread was that I met some people who'd been working with calm and I found it terribly sad statistically that this was only just something that was coming to light and mm. as someone who gets a hell of a lot of belonging and um, kind of enthusiasm and inspiration and lots of other positive emotions out of my creativity I wanted to test the you know find out talk to people in in other creative roles people who'd suffered depression and and see if there was something in this idea that creativity was a really uh, a, a valid tool a valuable tool uh, for, for people perhaps suffering depression or even preventing some of them suffering depression would you think do you think there's something in, in that as somebody who's suffered yeah no, I I, I, to- I totally think that I am I, um... I, I mean, it doesn't have to be as something as um, like obvious as you know, when you see creativity, like like drawing or painting. Um, it, it can be um, some kind of activity, but um, creativity is like a, a form of expression, and it's um, a, 
activity that you can kind of instantly get lost in and when you do it you kind of focus on producing a piece of creative output no matter what if it as i say if it's if it's a website or a piece of music or a, a, in my case a drawing um that kind of focus on something is for for, for myself it was instant um peace because you, you were just not thinking of anything all you were thinking is i want to draw a picture of in my case like um a bloke in a three-piece suit and i just i wanted i want i know i know i want it to look and I, I know what i wanted to do and I, i'll just get on with it and that's not working okay i try that okay that's not working oh, I, I quite like that and, and you, you just, you're not you're not you're not thinking of no one will like this you're not thinking this doesn't work you're not thinking i hate myself you're not thinking anything you're just thinking about creating something and, you, and, and that it's just such a valuable time away from the thoughts that are regularly going through your head um it's just a even even if it lasts five minutes two minutes it's 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 a little bit of a separation where you just where your brain can go oh thank god for that um and and just have a chill out um and you totally like i mean for me for drawing the way the pencil hits the paper and forms like like right what watching people write as well that took a lot of focus and you get lost in that as well. There's so many layers and, you know, doing something creative and you're making something. That that power, um, as Bob Ross would say, you know, did you ever think you had so much power you could move mountains? And he and he and he's he's so right, you know, you, you were creating something and you're in control. You you you're the master of that piece. It could look utter tired or it could look utter fantastic. But whilst you're doing it, all you're focusing and all you're thinking about is the process of doing it mm. you do get the thoughts of like does this look good but because you're kind of more lost in doing it you're kind of not thinking about that until like when, when, when you've nearly finished or you can see it's going really wrong or when you're finished and you go oh my god or like, then 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 like you come back in like ah i'm back now we can be we can be depressed again um in um that, that it, it, it's 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 crazy how that happened. Like I would draw something and then instantly be like, "Oh God, this is terrible. Oh, this is not going to work." Or there was a few times where it's like I was happy with it, and I had the the sense of feeling proud of what I was doing, and that was a great feeling. And again, that helped in a therapeutic way because you just feed in the positive thoughts, and you, as I say, you're giving your brain a break from something you're thinking about, but. You know, if, if you can describe that creative act, that like, if you try this, like, try a bit of pottery, try a bit of printmaking, you know, because, you know, we we, I'm sure there's not one kid who didn't enjoy making something, even if it's making, uh, mud, um, messes somewhere. There's 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 like, like some like my my my, my daughter Jess, she loved painting and making a mess but she created something and we all have that even when we get older we'll love creating something and we'll have that achievement of we created something God, so yeah. it, so if you can kind of use that as a, an example of you know it, it can kind of relate the material you know more in essence um, 
you, you've got something more um, usable than just words. You've got like, let's try this, you know, try this, try this. You know, you, like learning a language, anything you can kind of put your mind to and focus on, I think is is a very good way of um, getting out of a, a mindset. So I'm glad I, you know. I'm glad you agree that I was I was onto something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, with no. this idea, you know, and yeah. I just I just I hope that moving forward we we do see with the whole government reforms thing. I hope it's not left only with the end result of somebody coming to someone in a bad in a bad way or or feeling really ill. I hope that it's there's they have the vision to see it at a grassroots level, so to speak. Uh, yeah. In that, yeah. if in society we, there is way more value placed on anything from youth clubs to art classes to, to art yeah. creativity in school, I think if it's if it starts young, I just think like anything else, it, it's hopefully going to have a huge positive effect when people get older. Yeah, yeah, it's the old saying: "Going prevention is better than the cure." Mm-hmm. It's it's better it's better to inspire and and promote before it's all happened you know capture people's imagination and capture kids kind of desires to want to do things and notice when a kid is is in a certain mindset and think well, what's the best way to help them make sure that they don't fall into like like mental health issues you know um and are you know, able to have like a really, you know, happy because like, that's all, all we want for the, our kids and on our on, on ourselves when we get older is to just have, you know, a happy, productive life doing something you enjoy. You know, no matter what, what that is, and yeah, I think create creativity and creating. You can kind of, you know, as I say, it, you think of the obvious things, and you think, especially as illustrators, you just think of illustrating and design and uh, maybe like music and stuff because I, I I'm always amazed with music because I'm I'm really not into music at all like I, I love hearing people how they were inspired by a piece of music to do this that and the other and 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 for me I don't straight away attribute music with creativity um purely because personally I don't I'm not into music so it's like oh yeah yeah but it is a huge 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 thing um, and I think there's so many different forms of creativity like from building a wall to uh, riding a bike you know that you know there's there's a creative act in nearly everything that if you can find that thing and as you say catch it um, young enough to kind of educate rather than cure then that 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 can only be a good thing we are we are the only species on the planet that can kind of think of itself and i'm sure i've heard that you know like we, we we're the only people who think the only uh, animal that thinks like this so the the good side of that is we can do a load of uh, fun creative stuff but the bad side of it is we worry about it um and it's about um making sure that that worry doesn't go beyond a little bit of self-doubt and it, it, it's like productive self-doubt and productive fear and productive mm. Um, bad thoughts I think that kind of teach you and like you, you move on from it rather than that you follow down like the rabbit hole as the expression goes Ian Stone if you haven't seen his comedy go and see him he gigs all the time in London he's absolutely brilliant I find him hilarious um, he can be edgy as hell at times and I absolutely love that in my comedy so I 
got in touch with him through Arsenal, who I was working for at the time. Ian was writing a monthly column for the match, uh, for not the Match Day magazine, sorry, the printed glossy magazine every month. Um, and Andy Exley, the editor of Arsenal, kindly put me in touch with Ian when I told him the work that I was doing and that I was looking to speak to uh, a comedian. And I was aware that Ian wrote for the magazine. So Ian was very kind in coming forward and letting me take some of his time to talk about his journey into comedy and what humour does for him and, and why that's an important thing. Uh, and it's a really interesting take on it because um, I don't think Ian particularly sees it as a therapeutic thing, but it's just a real sense of him using his personality and making sense of the world around him. So he's going to talk to us uh, in depth, and as you can imagine, it is quite funny. Um, so I hope you enjoy this segment with Ian Stone. The idea of it, it's a good idea, you know, because boys, boys, I've got two boys, that's the thing, I've got two, you know, my, my kids are 14 and 10, and boys, they, it seems to me there's two things they need, right, one is to, to learn how to use their physicality, so they bash up against me, and I go, no, that's too hard, that's fine, right, and then they get, then they understand, um, and, um, and they also need to learn how to be creative and yeah. to to, uh, to express themselves so that I don't know that, that because because certainly for men now we're not as useful as we used to be you know we're good at getting stuff off shelves essentially and but you know what you want to go and hunt food we well, don't have to you just, you just go to Marks and Spencers and, <laughs> and buy it but you're hunting when you like go to reduce like the well, thing, you know like reduce well, meat section well, that's what I mean it's well, I think that men that there's a certain what what are we for? Yeah. What are we for? You set up a sperm bank and we're sort of redundant, aren't we? That's essentially I, I see that young men and, and is there a certain age for this thing or is it? Uh, well, no, it's actually um, the, eighteen to thirty-five is the big demographic, but also guys sort of forty-five between forty-five and fifty-five is also a big. That's a big happening statistic. now as well because they're, they're, they they again have a midlife crisis and again. Well, is this it? <laughs> is this as far as it goes for me? I mean, it's worse in other countries. Japan, they have a massive problem. Oh, well, that's crazy for over there. It's like, really tough, but, but it's, it's all about status. It's all about status. If you have no money, you've got no friends, man. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and, it, and, you know, this country's not so bad, but I, this sort of stuff will help. So you're trying to, to encourage them to be creative. Yeah, or just but show them ways they, of doing it. Just show them, like, uh, that, you know... It's not, it, it's not just an option. There's two, extra, there's two ends of the scale. There's, I didn't want to... You know, I mean, it, what we're trying to say is that it could be anything from keeping a diary to yourself, or just getting that down on paper, yeah. to, to putting a post on a forum where there's people in a similar, similar interest. You know, it could be that you're just all into photography, but through that context, you all have a common ground to, to chat and to go to events and have to get out of the house. It could be as simple as that, or it could be the other extreme is really getting into something with music, comedy, art, and actually going somewhere with it. So it's kind of, we're trying to show that there's an open door for someone who's got no prior background in something. You know, it's not. It's just... It's hard to get started though. Yes. And it does, you know, I know from my point of view, I, and most of the comics I know, you know, they're all very confident and they go out there and they do their stuff every day, but they come back home to a secure family life and to women who go, 
everything's okay, you're doing fine. You know what I mean? And it, no, no, it's exactly what men need. That's why there's very few female comedians. It's because they don't have men who do the same function. They don't have supportive men who are happy to stay at home and go, is everything okay, what happened tonight? And I, I have to say, for the first five, six years of my career, I went back to my partner and we talked through what I did. And it sort of helped me. Right now, I don't need the same sort of support. I need another one. But I'm fine now. I can go out and talk nonsense and it works. But at the time, it, it helps to have that support. So I'm just wondering. It's a, you know, they need the support as well. It's not a simple thing just to launch yourself. Oh, of course you know, not. Yeah. But I guess you say if you start small scale, you just write diary yeah. entries yeah. or blog. Well, I think yeah. it's more about even, even something that's a Twitter account, and, and that might what I'm trying to say is that, that might you might you might be stuck in a village where nobody gets what you're into or, or what you're. Yeah, you might find that that group of people in this internet thing where that suddenly you think, oh, actually, there are people out there with my views or my problems. You know, that's it. It's just, when it's stripped down, that's what we're trying to that simple. And it's not about the people trying to make it an industry, it's more like, also oh, going like, to you know, it's the musicians and all these comedians who are doing this for a living. It's not really trying to encourage them to go and do that. It's just to make them aware that, you know, these people that they look up to and aspire to um, are using this to sort of vent whatever it is, that, yeah. whatever issues we have. Yeah. Uh, so it's not, you know, if it's something they just do behind closed doors themselves, you know, yeah. playing the guitar. Going to another mic night, going to a lot, just going to a night, not, not, not even partaking, just going and context to meet other people who are like that and share them so that's like, it can be simple yeah. as that you know it's not um, right so we should we try to show a broad spectrum but it could be it doesn't really matter yeah, the main thing is to get you out of the house it's the belonging and not yeah. I suppose I mean the pub it's nice and everything yeah, it's we all like it but we're not talking about that we? we're talking yeah. about yeah. doing something yes. as opposed it's, it's more active than passive right yeah. Yeah. it doesn't yeah. matter what it is and it doesn't have to be for money yeah. it's just about doing stuff which you find stimulating therapeutic yeah. isn't it Thera and, and ultimately therapeutic but the truth is I don't I don't do I don't do stand up for therapy I do it because I like making people laugh that's the pure and the same thing for musicians I'm guessing they enjoy playing music they enjoy making music and the fact that it has a therapeutic byproduct is great but it's not why I'm doing it no you know, I'm doing it because it's, it's the love of talking shit yeah that's particular it. How did you get into modern? How did you get started? I, uh, my partner told me I should uh, do it, and, and I met. I've been with her a long time, so I met her before I did stand up. She said to me, you, "Why, why aren't you doing stand up comedy? You love doing. You love making people laugh. You have that. I have that sort of brain that just likes talking nonsense. Yeah. There are moments when I drift off, and she'll look at me and go, I'm thinking of a joke, aren't you? I said, yeah. <laughs> and she knows, right? Obviously now, all the time." together but she encouraged me to do it and um, oh, good work. had a go and it turns yeah. out I'm good at it so Fantastic. Good work. For that. yeah and that's good as well because what, what, I, what I was afraid of with this campaign was guys looking at it and getting the wrong idea where it's going all right brilliant so you show me these guys that are doing good things but how the hell can I get started with that I like, I like it's nice to know that you don't have to have a degree and you don't have to go to college and do whatever else spend seven years doing something to get somewhere your point in case in terms of you had a you had a human skill that someone highlighted, didn't you? Yeah, but I mean a lot of things had to work out before I could end up doing what I'm doing. Yeah, you know, I had to have a, I had to have a girlfriend who I 
incidentally was uh, looking for, I was seeking out someone who would help me in that way, not knowing that, but just, oh yeah, she'd be, she'd be useful almost. It's a, it's a really terrible thing to say, I'll say it like that. So what I mean is, so that happened, plus I had an incredibly toxic and abusive childhood in a lot of ways. Um, plus, I don't know, maybe, you know, I look interesting, I suppose you can say. <laughs> yeah. So there's all sorts of things you can say that go together to yeah. make an art. Optimum conditions work. Opt yeah, those conditions have to work out, you know. Yeah. And then you have to have certain things work out for you as you're doing it. Um, but yeah. even still, I, the thing was, I, when I, before I started doing stand-up, I worked... Well, I'll tell you what happened to me, right? it's quite interesting. I went to a, um, a creative writing class. That's the, sort of almost the first thing that happened to me. Right. I went to a creative writing class with this woman called Michelle Roberts, who's an author. What, what age was that? 26, maybe 26. I was working as an engineer, I was doing like a normal job. And I was bored, I was bored out my head. I went to this creative writing class, and we used to have to write these little pieces for the class. And so everyone, there's one guy there, it's a very lugubrious tall guy, used to write amazing love poetry, and he used to watch these women just go, oh, we love this. And I think, oh, I wouldn't mind doing that, but I couldn't do it, it just wasn't my thing. But what I used to do was make them laugh every week. I used to write this stuff, and I'd read it out, and people would laugh. And, and I honestly, I wrote a, this was the time of, this was just before the first Gulf War, 1990, 1890, something like that, and I wrote a poem about Saddam Hussein. Uh, called Saddam Hussein is a bit of a pain if you know what I mean, right? Was the poem. And, and I read it out in class and everyone laughed and there was a little light on on the head going, oh, oh this is interesting. I, I didn't know I could do this. And, it, and so it's those little steps along the way that you that you, you take and you go, right, that works out, maybe I'll try this. And then suddenly you find yourself on stage in front of 50 people on open mic night. And um, you go, Alright, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would, I'll give that another go. Yeah. Okay, here we are. So, so, so you're into it like, you're into it because you like talking shit or whatever, and you like sort of uh, making people laugh, which which in turn makes you feel like pretty good, right? Surely, or is, it, is that just, is that something you don't even think about? Is it more about... It's not about making me feel good, it's about right. stopping me feeling any worse. <laughs> yeah. It's essentially like heroin, it's the only way to describe it. It's basically, I have to have my hit, otherwise I'm going up yeah. the wall. I mean, I'm not even overstating that yeah, fact. Right. I, I, now, I, there's not been more than 10 days in the last 21 years when I haven't done a gig yeah. because I, it, there is no doubt I'm addicted to it. Yeah. Well, we get that. We, 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 we talk about yeah. all the time. Whatever you're into, like, you have to do it. Yeah. You, you have to do it. Well, that's what I'm saying. The, 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 it's, heroin is a decent example. Yeah. Not that I've ever done heroin, but I imagine yeah. that's exactly what it's like. You have to. And I have a need yeah. now that I've discovered, oh, yeah, I like this. Can I do that again? I'll, yeah. Got, you know, nothing else comes I, mean, I was thinking about. I thought of some stuff today, and I'm thinking, oh, I haven't got a gig tonight. I'm already a bit gutted, but I'm going to have to wait till tomorrow to do this stuff. So, so it's every other day, is it, or is it sometimes it's like gigging yeah. whenever I want? Right. Every whenever I want, and four on a Saturday, four on a Friday. Wow. I mean, I'm not too sure how it works, just sort of schedule-wise. But like, I see the American comedians, and they kind of just turn up wherever they want to certain places that are well known, and they can get America, ten minutes. Yeah, America. I don't know. Particularly, America is a lot more travelling involved, as far as I know. But for me, the level that I'm at. Um, did you guys know who I was before this? 
I've recognised your face, but then I've done some research on you, and then, yeah, no, I didn't. I've listened to Fighting Talk quite a lot. That, that was, yeah, that's why. I, I mean, I've been about, and I and I have a certain level of, I'm sort of like a D minus list celebrity, if you like, right? I sort of, people sort of go, oh yeah, you're the feather off the thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I don't get that, it's not like Macintyre and stuff like that. But, yeah. You know, I, I've been doing it for a long time. I've got a lot of different things with AE and Rice and all the rest of it. Um, and um, I work, I do a lot of work in a number of fields pretty much whenever I want. Which is great. Yeah, well, great it's, it's a good position, yeah. 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 So that, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about the Severian formats of it. I know that you write with Colin and Aspel magazine and the podcasting and the staff, obviously. Yeah. I've done what the week, I've done radio, I do a lot of radio work, I do a little bit of telly here and there. That's what I saw on what the week, yeah. Yeah, no, I've, put, I've popped up on what the week, I've done trying to get a word in edgeways. The bird flea thing. It's brilliant. <laughs> A nice routine there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, um, I do. I work when I want. Yeah. Uh, you know. So, so like, do you? Yeah. I imagine you can do anything like our brains. Creative. So can you switch off? Do you ever switch off, or is anything so off the top? How to sleep, basically. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. That's an interesting question. Um, you know what? I can be very serious about things. This is the truth of it. But there must be. It's not even a conscious thing at this point there must be a bit of my brain that is looking for the gag I don't but I'm not at it I'm not I'm not consciously going where's the gag where's the gag but it seeds there it just happens I mean I had a tweet conversation this morning with this I did a tweet this morning about how the director general of the BBC did 54 days work and he got a 450 grand payoff a massive payoff after doing his job badly surely surely a job in the banking industry beckons, right? It's just a little tweet, a little comment about how, you know, ridiculous the whole thing is. And somebody came back to me and said, oh, that's right, crucify, crucify George Entwistle, or something about crucifying him. And I went, well, I don't think it's, I, I, I think crucifixion is maybe not quite, I'm not saying crucify, I'm just saying have a discussion about a massive severance, you know. And then I'm thinking that's quite funny in a sense, because I said, if Jesus would have been, instead of being nailed to a cross, would have just been given a generous severance package. I think Christianity would have taken a rather different turn, you know. And that's, there's a joke, right, and I'll do that joke tomorrow. That is a joke that I will do, because I think it is funny. And um, that's, that's how my head works. So, it, so do I switch off? I'm not one of these, I can talk seriously about things for any number of, you know, but but in terms of the way my head will go, it's constantly, it's what it's like, it's like, it's like you're, you're, it's a bit like, you know when you get those shopping trolleys that lean slightly to the left or the right and you have to constantly correct them, sort of what I have to do with my head, sort of what I have to do with my head. Yeah, it's the same man, isn't it? Like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm okay and I'll keep going, but in the end there are times when you say things you go, oh my god. Thanks for checking in, guys, for part one of the Mental Health and Creativity Special. I really hope you enjoyed it. I hope you took something away from that, and I hope it resonates with you uh, in, on any level, to be honest, whether you've suffered yourself or whether you're just interested in the topic. Uh, I think it's great to make people uh, aware 
of just how real and how common the problems are, how rife they are in this country. Um, certainly uh, on this episode with with the male issue, um, you know, as, as Paul from Calm detailed there, and how I hope these conversations have shed light on that. It's difficult for men, uh, certainly in modern times. It's getting slightly better, I hope. I certainly feel like it is. Uh, you know, from our parents' generation, uh, guys were, you know, notoriously kind of frowned upon for opening up I think uh, and I think it, it's it's prevalent in some ways which is sad as Paul mentioned there in certain circumstances certain areas for, for different reasons um, so I hope you took a lot away from it do go and check out Cam at camzone.net uh, doing fantastic work all the time uh, but next week we've got some great guests coming up we're going to talk in part two we're going to uh, widen um, widen, you know, the, the sort of remit this time, and we're going to talk to all and everyone about uh, their own take on on creativity and emotional well-being. I'm going to talk to French illustrator Malika Favre. Needs no introduction. One of the best in the business right now. I'm going to talk to poet, artist, and photographer Mark May Smith about slam poetry and how um, he's seen that operate with young people and how it, it works for him. I'm going to talk to Danny Skerritt, aka Dirty Freud, um, who is a fantastic electronic producer, musician. Uh, and DJ, he's been on the show and he's going to talk to me about growing up on a North London estate and how creativity was a way for him to make um, a good life for himself and to get past the tendencies to fall into into you know troublesome uh, ways of life in certain areas like that, in working class areas. So that's a, a fascinating conversation too. Um, going to talk to Angela Morris Windmill, fantastic Australian-born, London-based artist uh, about autism in the family about uh, about mental health and about just belonging and and focus and what her creativity does so it's a real broad range of people uh gonna be interesting stuff uh, i hope you enjoy that one too i really thought there was so much to go on with this so i thought i'd do it over a double episode and i hope that's cool with all of you so thanks again to the sponsors printed.com hearts internet illustration limited go and check them all out Printed.com, heartinternet.co.uk and illustrationweb.com. They've been supporting this show now for some time and it makes me able to do it for free every week. So thanks for checking them out too. Uh, cheers, guys. Get your feedback on the Twitter at Arrest on the Mix and I'll see you next week for part two. Hold up. 